of you is the monster. Monster? They're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are Only Murders in the Building. No, a very British horror. A very British horror, that's who we are. <laughs> what was that? Only, only Murders in the Building. It's a great Disney, show. Disney Plus show, isn't it? It's a Disney Plus show about a podcast. But this isn't that podcast. This oh, is a okay. different one. We're the British Horror Podcast, and we're going to talk about a British horror film tonight. We are. Hey, which one are we going to talk about, Paul? So I think it's probably, uh, well, nearly the earliest um, Hammer horror film. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, quite possibly the first film to ever have, uh, first film sequel to ever have the number two um, put in the title. Uh, and it is Quatermass 2. Quatermass 2, that's right. This is, of course, the sequel to our Quatermass Experiment episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so why why have we gone for Quatermass 2 rather than starting with the Quatermass Experiment? Well, that's a great question, Paul. And I think the short answer is because I don't like body horror. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, d- I didn't want to talk about the Quatermass Experiment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but actually, there's... There's quite a few things about Quatermass 2 that are, you know, pretty suitable for discussion and um, things that you don't necessarily get in the Quatermass experiment. Though we might one day do an episode on the Quatermass experiment if I can ever overcome my antipathy towards body horror. (laughs) And um, so we'll save, you know, the discussion of that film for the episode dedicated to that film. Or we can't do the TV show, sadly, because... That's not all in the BBC archive, so it would be the film, no, the Crater Mass Experiment, if we do that. There are two uh, yeah, episodes but, of the Crater Mass Experiment. Yes, but very sadly, of a total six. <clears throat> yes. But, um, and, and, I, and I guess now I've mentioned that, we have to clarify, uh, although we do did say this is a Hammer film, but but we are talking about the, the, the movie version of Crater Mass 2 and yeah. not the BBC TV serial Crater Mass 2, which does exist in its entirety and yep. so we could have dedicated this episode to that if we wanted to and um yeah again i didn't want to watch that you watched that <laughs> so, i did watch it all. so so we can cover that but this is focused on the film with that as you know back background and um i i guess we should probably start like we always do by saying you know what's it all about okay so um just off the top of my head here yeah. Uh, so it's... you mean you mean, not, not just of the, we prepare these podcasts assiduously. <laughs> we do definitely. <laughs> so um, so obviously uh, in the previous one, Quatermass is a um, a professor and rocket scientist working for the British Experimental Rocket Group, um, and he develops a, a rocket and it, everything goes wrong with it. Uh, and that's the Quatermass experiment. Quatermass 2 sees him basically setting up another rocket which has um, failed and doesn't work properly. Uh, he's therefore looking at having all of his money taken away for his proposed moon base um, project. Uh, um, and this all happens and then he happens to... Uh, be driving along and comes across a 
meteorite and suddenly there's all these other little meteorites coming out the sky and they all lead to a place called Winnerden Flats which is his uh, moon base project brought to life built for some nefarious purpose which he then tries to find out yeah i mean yeah i think that's the setup you know more or less we do get a pre-title sequence which is uh you know coincidence um he comes across a couple and the man's been um affected by one of these meteorites yeah and he just kind of runs runs off he's kind of insensible and yeah escapes essentially yeah and um quite mass goes well that was a turn up for the books and and then you get the titles and then after the titles you get the stuff about the, the rocket sitting on the launch pad and yeah uh, everything's there is a there is a little bit i think in the pre-titles of the guys monitoring stuff on the oh on there the is yeah they're monitoring the meteorites they've picked them up and there's rather a good little radar base um model i think in that that shot that i thought was quite well done with the little dish turning around this is a black and white film, and I, I do yeah. find black and white sometimes smooths the edges of special effects pretty well. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think you're right. I think the special effects in this movie and the, the previous one, which despite my reservations, I have just been, been watching, they've got really good special effects. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think I'm right in saying that this, this is not by Les Bowie. I think he did do... Quite a mass experiment, and then he came back and did lots of Hammer films, special effects. Yeah. But I, I think I think he actually isn't involved in in in, in this one. But we are there. Are re- but most of the most of the Hammer team are present and correct. So this is directed by Val Guest, who's an interesting, really interesting director. Actually, yeah. Um, should we go through the? Should we finish off the the summary or? Because I'd love to launch into a few of these things. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, so it, it turns out that these meteorites, they're, they're sort of gliding down um, and they emit a strange gas which overcomes people and gives them this strange mark and they start to behave weirdly, slightly strangely. But essentially what's happening is that they're, there's, they're overtaking people. They're aliens from out of space they're overtaking people um and it leads up to sort of the highest points in in whitehall and the winnerden flats complex has been it, it is is the official story is that it's developing synthetic food but actually it's just um bringing all of these little alien entities together into one mass uh blob in order to try and take over the the earth and making the atmospheric conditions that they need like pumping yeah pumping pumping ammonia ammonia. into these huge stones and there's a there's a whole uh makeshift sort of town whereby um the the workers are all just ordinary working class people who who are there to do do jobs and to 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 basically keep quiet about anything that they they don't need to know what it's about and they then they've been told that they need to keep quiet and they're sort of being paid reasonably well uh and yeah. given homes and stuff so yeah it's, it's there's there's lots of um interesting sort of historical background around that uh as well i think um 
uh, but yes, and it, and then it, it gets sort of thwarted by Quatermass and the masses rising up essentially once it's they find out what what what's going on. That's right, because the the workers aren't actually haven't been possessed by the aliens; they're just essentially being paid by them. Yeah, and there there is a kind of class divide between the the possessed workers and the the normal human ones yeah so the the human ones just think they're really standoffish <laughs> but no, it's because they're aliens that's why they don't chat <laughs> and it's quite interesting because it's a obviously it's a 50s film um based on a even earlier 50s tv serial and obviously they're not long out of wartime and i think what did they serve rationing at this point they might have been well i think rationing no no i think um, rationing well, it it wasn't about 51 didn't it but but it wasn't it's... wasn't it hadn't been gone that long so no, no, there's indeed. still that it, yeah there's lots of quite interesting wartime careless talk to, uh yeah. cost lives there's that's the that's the thing isn't it that's yeah. the where, where it's just don't don't talk about the camp is yeah it's, it's basically that kind of poster yeah um and then um, Quatermass, who, who sneaks around, gets chased off, and, and then manages to get back into the camp um, yeah. by finding a friendly MP to, to tag along with. And yeah. then he sees what's going on, and then he, he basically manages, like you say, to stoke up the uprising. And, yeah. and then there's a full-on battle at the end between the humans and, and, and the aliens. Yeah, and, and, then, uh, and then back at the rocket group base, they identify where the the aliens are coming from which is a asteroid in space and Quatermass uses his faulty rocket which is uh, uh has got some kind of nuclear reactor in it which is very apt for the time um and fires it remotely up into space to destroy the asteroid and thereby the the aliens and and the ones on the ground are, are, are destroyed yeah. as yeah as well in fact, they die, don't they? When the the the, the asteroid in space blows up, I think yeah, started. yeah, and it releases their their sort of holding on all the people that they've sort of possessed. Yeah. Um. And and this this movie's been described as a British invasion of the body snatchers, and, and you can obviously see you can you can see, but we're in the classic era of science fiction, so um, this is not. I mean, this is, this is not a hammer horror, although it is a hammer horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's um, you know, one one of the the great fifties sci-fi films. There were many. many yeah. This was the high point of science. Well, this is the first high point of science fiction movies, the nineteen fifties, yeah. and and this is you know, well, these two British en- entries in, into that genre, and this this one is a bit like Invasion body snatchers i think that's true though though it goes off in a totally different direction so yeah. you, you you wouldn't say it was it, it was really it's not a ripoff it's just similar no thing. i th- i think there are more um i think there are more uh horror elements in both of these films than any of the u.s sci-fi films around the same sort of time agreed Agreed. Um, Very much agreed. And of course, that all comes from Nigel Neal. So, yeah. so, so I mean, let's start off with the writer, Nigel Neal, um, regarded as one of the great TV script writers of all time. The Crater Ass Experiment was his 
big breakthrough, uh, the TV version. Yep. Back in the early 50s, it was made. Um, 53. And it, it was more or less made as a stage, like a stage play and broadcast live over, yeah. over six episodes. Was was a huge smash. And um, Quatermass 2 was the follow-up, which was deliberately designed to... Um, to take on the new um, ITV network, I think. Yeah, that's right. And, and and there was a third serial as well, Quatermass and, and The Pit. And uh, as well as that, Nigel Neal adapted the very famous 1984 version. From yeah, so between the two, so in Quatermass Experiment and Quatermass 2, I think he also did a version of Wuthering Heights as well. Ah, uh, yes, I believe that's correct. Which... So he, he, he was a top... Uh, he was the top BBC uh, screenwriter in that um, that era of TV, which was that that era of TV was nothing like any other era because no. things were made well because drama was made live, as, as, and as soon as that changed, and the whole ethos of TV writing and TV drama was totally different. So, yeah. so, so it was. So, <laughs> so with, with between so with these, these two serials, it's quite interesting because uh, Quatermass Experiment. Uh, was done entirely live and then what they would often do is then repeat the um the the, the serial at a later date and the way they did this was to redo it live again yeah, yeah. um so uh that that's quite impressive so quite quite when, by the time quatermass 2 came down around they had a bigger budget uh and so a lot of it was done live but they also had a lot of film inserts, which were then put in. And then it, the whole thing was recorded. And then um, it, then it, they were able to, when they did the repeat, to kind of redo certain bits. So the repeat was not done live in the same way that Quatermass Experiment was done, um, which which is quite interesting. And probably the reason why Quatermass 2 survives in its entirety and Quatermass Experiment doesn't. Yeah. And Nigel Neal had left, well, he, he was running down his contract at the BBC. He was yeah. actually still contracted to them, yeah. but they released him to let him work on the screenplay to Quatermass 2, the movie, yeah. whereas yeah. he had not been allowed to work on the Quatermass experiment. And, and he, he yeah, so he insisted that he have more um, say over his his works um uh and because he really was unhappy with how Quatermass experiment was was filmed there was lots of things he didn't like about it and he wasn't really involved uh, so well with this with, with this one he he did actually get to write the script initially which was then rewritten by Val Guest I think yeah uh, so it's credited to the pair of them yeah um well, I think that's right. But also you've touched on some reoccurring theme. Nigel Neal was not happy. So yeah. Nigel Neal, as well as being in the 50s was his heyday, but this great legendary screenwriter is also, you know, very grumpy. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, I think of him as kind of the Alan Moore of his day, but possibly without the, the good reasons why Alan Moore is so upset with everyone and everything. Um, yeah. Whereas I think, Nigel Neal was, you know, bordering on a misanthrope, wasn't he? So yeah, yeah, he was 
he, he I don't think he liked anything. He, he, I mean, his career was a list of reasons why he was annoyed. Um, <laughs> I mean, one, one of the petty things he was annoyed about, um, we, he complained. He put an official complaint about this, that um, there was a parody of Quatermass on the Bob Monkhouse show. And oh, he thought, okay. you know, obviously his masterwork should not be parodied. So he put in a complaint yeah. about that. <laughs> Um, but but I mean he, he and he had a long history over decades of falling out with people and just yeah, yeah like um like much later had his name taken off of Halloween three didn't he, he, yeah. he I think he he, he refused to work in America for most of his career because he did it once and didn't like it yeah. and then um all, all all sorts of things I think when he did the adaption of Woman in Black. He was annoyed with Susan Hill for the name of the lead character. <laughs> so, you know, it did get quite bizarre. <laughs> that's, that's a bit crazy because that's. <laughs> yeah. So he was annoyed with the original author for naming a character something. Yes. Yeah, because it was a name taken from um, H.G. Wells, I think. And he was, uh, okay. I, I didn't and, like that. I, and of course, the 70s Quatermass serial is just. Uh, basically a whole whinge about everything isn't it yeah young people I hate yeah young them. people yeah don't, and he, yeah. he managed to turn that into it like a, 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 TV, <laughs> a tv show <laughs> how much hated young people <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but at the same time as being this uh massive grump he he, he also wrote like i mean i'm talking about there, I've listed things in the 80s that, that were great, and, and so yeah. all through 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, he, he was um, he, he was working and turning out really good yeah. work, but but generally being unhappy and dissatisfied. <laughs> <laughs> right, and this is okay. So so one of the things this is this is my big moment now, Paul. One of the okay. things that that he really hated about Quatermass Experiment and Quatermass Two was the casting of. One Don Levy, I think that's how you say it, Don yep. Levy, as, yep. as Quatermass. Now, um, I can I can see. Like, I personally had reservations myself uh, originally because he's American and the character of Quatermass is supposed to be British, and he was changed to be American so they could sell this film. So have yeah. a, could sell this film to the US markets. Now, now that and that particular like, move has got a long history and 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 it, yeah. It, yeah. And then it's not something that's ever really covered any filming glory. And I'm not sure how much it's really worked uh, in the American market either. Like, yeah. But we, I, we I mean Brian Dolevy was not a big star in America. He was a, no. like a, a known um like villain. He, he played, played sort of gangsters, didn't he? And mobsters and that kind of thing. In the golden age of yeah. Hollywood. So, um, yeah, yeah. But obviously they couldn't afford, they couldn't afford it like a, the big Hollywood A-list. So they had to just go for name recognition, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and, but, but um, Nigel Neal didn't stop there. He, he, he basically accused Brian Dolevy of being a drunk. He's, yeah. he's, 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 he was, too drunk to remember his lines, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, he, well, he I think he basically said described him as being paralytic. Yeah, he did. That's and, exactly and, correct. And, yeah. and um, Val Guest, when asked about this, said that's not actually true. <laughs> he was a, he was a consummate professional, and he may have yeah. had a drink problem. And so, 
but but he we he, to, to work with he was fine and his I mean, performance in in, in both Quantum uh, films he's not slurring his words he doesn't no swaying around he doesn't look no. drunk if he had a drink problem and I'm sure that that is the case um, yeah I think I think that's I think that is documented but but I don't <laughs> I mean it wasn't it's not obvious on screen and apparently it wasn't obvious on set either. No. Nigel Neal just knew about it and wanted to malign him. Yeah. I mean, that's the obvious thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I, but for the, for the, these two reasons, the uh, American, when the role should be played by a British actor or formed as a British character and um, Nigel Neal hating it, people don't like Brian Donlevy generally. And I think a lot of the thing. The um, a lot of comments you will see over and over again over the years is, yeah, it's a real shame um, that Brian Donlevy is playing Quatermass in those two movies. And, oh, Quatermass in the Pit is the best one, not least because it's actually got a British Quatermass in it. And, yeah. and um, I just, you know, I, I just don't accept this anymore. I mean, I did go along with it originally, yeah. but... but um, I, I, I watching Quatermass too. I really, I think he's really good. I really I, like yeah, him. I was, um, I was probably similar, and I, um, and I hadn't seen the, either of these two films for quite a while. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's especially great, but I don't think he's terrible. I think, I think he kind of, he, 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 he does play it a little bit one note. So, someone at some point has said, right, Brian your your character's a bit angry about this and he's he's just gone yeah my character's angry all the time yeah but but, but, but i think andrew Keir plays it like that as well yeah. I, I think you but, know um quite quite a mass is kind of a, a, a an avatar for nigel neal in some ways yeah because he and, and you know like i said not nigel Neil was angry about everything, so I think that's why Quatermass is. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I see what you mean and, and uh, about the performance, mm. but but um, I don't think it, I think some of that, a lot of that is in the writing, and yeah, you know, yeah. Brian Donlevy is just playing what's written, but I also think, I think he comes across, style. yeah, I think he comes across because I think he's he carries across some of that um, villain mobster acting a little bit. Well, so think, and also, so I think he's more. He comes across as a lot more physical. Even yeah, that's if, true. Even if he doesn't do more physical stuff. But I, I quite, I, I quite like that. And and also, that acting style is not bad. You know, those golden no. age Hollywood films—they're great. And, yeah. and he's he's performing like he's in one of them. But um, yeah, for Nigel Neal, who's used to 1950s British TV actors, it's yeah. very jarring, isn't it? Yeah, because. Um, they, they, those actors are stage actors. They're yes. British thespians. They um, they do it the British stage way, and you, you know uh, that that's yeah. how the, they started on t- t- TV. And and it made stage actors like Peter Cushing massively famous. He was yeah, yeah. He, he was a like a, a a jobbing member of Laurence Olivier's company in the um, in, in the late forties, and then. TV made him a massive star and Hammer picked him up and he worked with Nigel Neal several times as well, actually. Yeah. Um, that but, was the kind of actor I think he was expecting. Yeah. And um, Brian Donovan is just a completely different I, kind. I, but, but for I, movies, that kind, of, that kind of performance is fine. Well, I think, I think that's the thing. And I think because obviously having watched the film and the TV serial, 
Um, I know that Nigel Neal was also quite angry about some of the more talky bits that Guyner got dropped. Um, so <laughs> earlier on, we were talking about the coincidence of Quatermass just driving up and seeing the couple with the where the guys got yeah. infected by the, the the meteorite. Well, that essentially cuts out about three episodes of the TV serial serial. Maybe not quite that many, but it cuts out at least two or uh, large chunks of two episodes. So the thing is, with a movie, you've got, what, 90 minutes or so of something that needs to be a bit faster faster paced than the TV serial. It's 80 so minutes, I, I think, yeah. Yeah, or something like that. So, um, and, and I think Nigel Neal was quite grumpy about losing a lot of the, that kind of dialogue and that sort of thing. Um, but actually, it, it needs to do that in order to kind of move the story on quicker. Um, and I think that's the thing is that the the film, in many ways, I love the TV serial, but the film in many ways has more energy because of that because it, it it's faster paced, um, and, and has to just get to the point a bit quicker. Whereas there's more time to amble around in the serial, and I think that might be a lot of Nigel Neal's problem with it as well is. Um, Brian Donlevy's a, a, a kind of actor that is from that background of being in movies and things being fast paced and, and it's just very very different and I think as well he was just also bitter about that they I mean they did change quite a lot of quite a mass experiment and and I think he came off of that in a bad mood from that as well so I, I don't think he would have ever lights this film yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i, I think the, the only thing the only thing i will, will say is that i think brian don don levy don levy don levy um yeah is, i mean i it could be don levy couldn't it but i'm it could be i could never remember i th- i think i've heard it more don don levy um he i do get the impression he's quite angry because he hasn't been able to slap somebody <laughs> throughout it there's a, there's points where I, I keep thinking he's going to grab someone by the collar and give him a smack around the face well i mean the but the character is like arrogant to to, to that point um the, well the, yeah the, the, he might and, you know, I, I and, think, and, yeah. and he is somebody who who is largely a failure so in the quatermass experiment okay that something bad happened with his rocket but then they they had to bring the rocket down in south london um you know in a populated area and so <laughs> the crater mass experiment side of things is seen as a bit of a failure you, and then this it starts off with him failing to produce a second rocket hence why it's called crater mass 2 because that's the name of the rocket rather than because it's a sequel although that presumably it is, is something to do with it as well um do you know i didn't pick up on that no but so just it's, just it's as a, an aside as an aside, the, um, the the place where the rocket lands in the Quater Mass Experiment in the movie is, is none other than Bray. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I've got a feeling it's Wimbledon or somewhere like that in in the TV serial. Yeah. I can't honestly remember. Um, but yeah, but he's he's somebody who's largely a failure. So it's kind of right that he's pissed off and angry. Hmm. No, I, I agree. But 
apart from Brian Don Levy, Don Levy, um, Brian Don, oh, no, no, okay, no. <laughs> um, we've got um, a really distinguished British cast, yeah. So, and the, the, the member of the cast that jumps out at you, me, and everybody is none other than Sid or Sidney James. Now, international listeners may not actually be completely aware of Sid James, but I think if you're if you're British, especially you know our age, but I think he's just so imbued in our culture. He is a well, not not a founding member actually, but a member of the Carry On team. Made eighteen Carry On films, and uh, everyone in Britain knows who he is and loves yeah. him. And he he, he started out. Um, he's South African, I think, and he, he came over and he, he he did some character acting. At this point, he was um, he'd been in some eating comedies. I think he's in the Lavender Hill mob. Um, yeah, he he did he did a bit of straight acting. This is a a rare kind of non comedic role. And and then um, he he's into the carry ons and also um, parallels very successful t- TV career. And he was massively successful up until his death in a. I think 76 i think he died um but here here we get to see him in a supporting role as a drunken journalist and uh, and it's impossible not to just think this is brilliant and to be really annoyed when after about 15 minutes he's killed off yeah um, yeah again that that's 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 a change from the serial there's a different character in the serial um called Hugh Conrad I think I think that's his name Conrad anyway is his surname he's an, another reporter who's quite famous um who ends up getting infected by the by by one of the 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 meteorites uh and there's a really brilliant bit it's one of the best bits in the serial where he's phoning his colleague back at the news desk to just phone in this story before he gets taken over because he knows that that's coming and he's played by roger delgado in the ah the the master yeah so and and this in this uh they've they've changed him for a different reporter uh and made him drunk um and and i think i think val guest was quoted as saying that they did it to give some levity to the to the film and and Add, add a little bit of sort of comic like relief in there so it's, it's great so it's a complete so it's really good because the two work differently and they work they're both good in their own way and i like the fact that it's it's a different character so it's it's not like it's it, it's performing a similar function but it's not it's not taking away anything from the it's not sort of mocking the original character so I think that's that's quite quite good, and yeah, and he's he's great in that. But I I seem to remember, see, I seem to remember that he was in it a lot more from when I saw it before. So I was quite disappointed when it was like, oh, hang on. Well, the poster builds him second, yeah, and, and actually the titles bill him third, but but yeah, he he's um, he he's not in it uh, that much, which is a shame. Yeah. And you mentioned about um, 
characters in the original t- TV show. But I, I think um, of in the three TV serials, uh, I think Quatermass was essentially the only character that that was in more than one of them. <clears throat> and yeah, I, I think I think there, I think there was one. I did bring one character back for Quatermass in the the pit, but whom was um, played by a different actor. Yeah. <laughs> um, from the Quiet Mass experiment, I think. But but here um, in Quiet Mass 2, um, he's got a couple of sidekicks who were yeah. in the Quiet Mass experiment, yeah. though unfortunately, again, played by different actors. Yeah. So you've got the police, uh, his Lomax. police friend, Lomax, yeah. yeah. And you've got his um, like young assistant, Marsh. Yeah. Um, who's who in Quiet Mass 2 is played by Brian Forbes, who went on to be a very successful director yeah um, quite quite soon after this i think yeah yeah um, sort of in the 60s yeah or maybe before that no, yeah. i think i think i think that's right was whistle down the wind is that him yeah 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 um and, and i think that was you know i think that was, this was we probably thank val guest for this and i kind of just wish that they had a kept the cast um together because i th- i think it's i think I, I i mean i don't like the um the tradition that was obviously very big in the 50s but which has died off now mm. where um well died off quite soon after it where you have the same characters played by different people for no yeah. real reason <clears throat> yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> um, you know it, I, it, I, it, I, so so lomax i think in the Quatermass experiment is played by Jack Warner. Is that right? That is right. By a special arrangement with the Rank Studio, actually. Yeah, and, and he he basically, I think, was unavailable to do this. So I think that's why Lomax was recast. Was he doing Dixon and Doc Green by that point? I can't remember. Or had well, already um, been and gone. But no, anyway, I don't know. The blue lamp has been gone, but Dixon of Doc Green lasted ages, didn't it? Yeah. So, whatever reason they couldn't get him again, so it was just yeah, let's just recast it, which is a bit confusing, I suppose. But what were they about two, two and a half, three years between the two films? So yeah, it's a couple of years, I believe. Yeah, so maybe audiences wouldn't wouldn't really remember. Well. But I do, but I do like the fact that there is a continuity between the two serials and between the two films that isn't in the serials. I think that's that's quite good. Um, uh, yeah, I just be- bemoaning <coughs> that the, the, this wasn't the case just for those two characters. And uh, the, but you know, pretty soon afterwards, people discovered you could you could like make people sign contracts saying they had to appear. Yeah, <laughs> if you made a sequel. <laughs> Yeah, but but I mean, I, this is before the era of sequels, really. Like you say, this is the ver- the very first movie, or arguably the very first movie that's called um, explicitly number two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I think it would have been better. But but I w- I was I mean I, I think Brian Don Levy Don Levy Brian Don Levy I think it, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it was. Um, great that he came back and he does have the distinction no doubt Nigel Neal always hated this <laughs> that, being... that, that, that he was the only actor to play Quatermass on screen 
sacrifice. Yeah. So, and this seems bizarre, but even though the three TV shows were made quite close to each other, mm. um, they each had a different Quatermass. So, so, so in the TV series, Quatermass, Quatermass Two, Quatermass was played by John Robinson, and the first one he was played by Reginald Tate. The intention was to have Reginald Tate be Quatermass in Quatermass Two, but he died. And they had to bring John Robinson in quite late on, and 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 um, just just as a replacement. And apparently, he had a little bit of trouble catching up on learning the lines, and um, struggled with some of the more technical aspects of it. And had I think he may have had some cue cards and stuff, which is quite rich given what Nigel Neal says about Brian Don Don Levy in the in the films. <laughs> <laughs> different circumstances but yeah but then then uh, could you tell when you watch the tv show I mean, is it a, is it a bad no, performance or no it... he he he's he 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 does all right he's obviously a professional so he does uh you, you don't really notice hmm. um but he wasn't asked he back quite... or didn't come back for quite a mess yeah time. i don't know the reason why so that was Andre Morel, who, because yeah. um, I, I have I have watched that one, and I think Andre Morel was great as quite a mess. He lends, yeah. he, he softens the character in a way no one else really does. Yeah, um, and I really like Andre Morel as well. Again, um, like with Peter Cushing, Andre Morel had worked for Hammer a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but yeah, but they never used him as quite a mess. Uh, so then when Quatermass came back on TV in the 70s, um, they got John Mills to do it. Yeah. I mean, which was, I mean, he was a bigger name, I guess, than Andrew Keir they could have had, they could have had back. I think he'd probably be the only one they could have had back by the 70s, come to think of it. Um, yeah. But, but they obviously went with a big name, especially because it was on ITV, because the BBC yeah. had basically passed on it. I think they'd read the script and gone, what on earth are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, <laughs> and then um, when it came back in 2005, when they remade the Quatermass experiment in 2005, it was kind of bizarrely. Uh, it's Jason Fleming. Jason Fleming, yeah. Which is, I mean, there's a there's a lot of very strange decisions associated with that. Um, that particular production, yeah, uh, one of which was the casting of Jason Fleming. Well, they but, went with but... quite a young cast, didn't they? But it, it was, I remember, I remember with that we, we're diverging a bit now. Um, but just briefly, I do remember that being uh, quite a big thing when it was broadcast because it was done live. Well, and I think that was a, I think that was a really unfortunate decision. They were doing it to to celebrate some anniversary, yeah, weren't they? Yeah. But um, instead of doing a proper new version of the Quiet Mass Experiment, they just did some kind of weird uh, yeah. curiosity, and yeah. I, I think I think it's a shame. I think it's a real shame they did that, especially because Nigel Neal was still alive at that point and was an advisor on the show, and it would have been nice to do it for properly, yeah, <laughs> and and not like that, and 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 also it's such a waste of um, you know, David. 
Tennant and Mark Gatiss are in that cast. <laughs> Such a waste. It's, yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's one of those things where when you like when they do live TV now, uh, it, it's obviously it was the norm in the early fifties, but when you when you do live TV now, people are just watching it to see if it fluffs up, aren't they? That's 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 really why a lot of people end up watching it why it's and which distracts from what it's actually trying to do or the story it's trying to tell yeah um and so i was just reading up uh, why quatermass has never come back since since then and it seems to be a case of development hell right apparently, apparently jeremy dyson was attached for a while to do a new series for bbc america Right. That that never happened, and then and then um, Neo Hammer wanted to do a new one, like as a movie, yeah. but yeah. but unfortunately, um, they kind of uh, they they didn't last very long, did they? The new Hammer, no. is a, uh, uh, because they they made a lot of very strange choices, and yeah. then no one would finance their films anymore quite quickly, so. <laughs> um and and i think hammer films is now owned by network video or someone so i I think um yeah uh, yeah i i I don't think that's very likely so it's uh, but but big finish it's never been even been on big finish which is kind of strange maybe maybe i just imagine i don't know this is true or not i just imagine that nigel neal probably put pages and pages of (laughs) restrictions in his will yeah, <laughs> about what you were allowed to do with Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and as a result, it's kind of lang- languishing. Um, people, you know, uh, it was it was so big in the fifties, and people think of it as kind of a a big uh, like precursor to Doctor Who, and kind yeah. of the fact there were so many different Professor Quatermasses is kind of like Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. And actually, um, William Hartnell's characterization is not a million miles away. It was, was Patrick Houghton who changed it, and and every Doctor since him has been more playing that character. Whereas, well, and I know this is Doctor Who, and this is probably a very contentious thing to say to you, Paul. But uh, but I, I I think you can kind of see the Quatermass influence on early Doctor Who and also the fact that you could I mean people talk about what a fantastic um, plot device to have the Doctor regenerate and it go on forever because the Doctor can regenerate but but quite, <laughs> quite a mess couldn't regenerate they just changed the act yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it kind of calls into question quite what a stroke of genius that actually was I think <laughs> I think I think it's worked out better now in this era where changing the, the lead actor doesn't isn't so acceptable but um maybe it wasn't always <laughs> my tv wasn't always like that um anyway yeah. I, I really wanted to call out um a couple of other members of the cast yeah sure of crater mass 2 um and um i think i'll just just quickly mention uh we got John Van Eysen, I think that's his name. Yeah. Who plays uh, basically an alien. Um, yeah. Um, pretending 
or an alien is a possessed person who's working for the aliens, but um, who then went on to play Jonathan Harker in Hammer's Dracula just a couple of years later. Uh, yeah. In fact, actually, I think one year later. So um, <laughs> nice to see Jonathan Harker. But then there's something even more fabulous and unexpectedly spectacular than that. There's Michael Ripper as the landlord. Yeah. <laughs> start as you mean to go on <laughs> uh, i mean it's not obviously a mid-european coaching in it's like the social club of the yeah. you know the work village but, but but he does he does it exactly the same way and then and then um when the 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 villagers get their pitchforks out well but they're not literally but 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 they they they, they um they, they get they round up into a mob, don't they? And they, they go to burn down Castle Dracula. Did I say Castle Dracula? I meant the moon base. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 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 I think towards the end of this, you, it's a hammer film. It's so yeah. hammer film. Um, yeah. So the sci-fi thing is kind of like, yeah, all right, this is kind of generic trappings because it's popular. But but this this story, uh, we rec- we see this from they. Re- they rework this a lot and then mm. i was thinking okay so this this is obviously a, a proto hammer film and, and you know castle dracula ends up in flames it's not yeah, yeah. not quite the same but it's kind of the way that a lot of hammer films end but it's not a castle and it's not quite flames but it's 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 very similar and um i i think do we say then that Nigel Neal is kind of one of the fathers of the Hammer <laughs> film, one of the crew uh, that we know and love? Um, Val Guest, but then Val Guest is a very interesting director. Yeah. And the most interesting thing about Val Guest is why did he never make like a gothic horror film? Yeah. So he made these two and then he... Went on working um, as a director, including working for Hammer all the way through Hammer period of um, uh, activity. Um, but he never directed a gothic horror. Like he made a dinosaur movie for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he made some other things, but but he never. Yeah, made interesting. A Maybe he wasn't that interested in it. Perhaps it wasn't he must... something. It wasn't something he was had any interesting well i think that's i think that's right and i think that um i think he'd felt similarly about science fiction and been persuaded to do it and maybe wasn't going to be bitten twice and got remember that these genres were not popularly regarded and jimmy sangster um got really upset when he became associated with gothic horrors didn't he um but but terence fisher who uh, was another working Hammer director. Um, did he? Uh, I could look it up, but I think that would be cheating. Um, he he directed Four-Sided Triangle, which I think yeah. is like a sci-fi thing. It is, yeah. And did, did he do X the Unknown as well, or was that someone else? No, that was that was that not Val Guest doing that one? Was it? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. Interestingly enough, that was after Hammer wanted that to be a Quatermass film, uh, an original one, this lead character was going to be Quatermass in it, but um, 
Nigel Neal put the kibosh on that because he was saying, no, I'm not having you do um, original stuff with my characters. Oh, uh, actually, which is why, yeah, which is why it's by Leslie Norman. By the oh, OK, way. That, that, that's why it's quite, quite similar in style and uh, uh, to, to the sort of Quatermass films. Yes. And it seems to have, I haven't ever watched Exit Unknown, but it seems to have an American lead character as well. Yeah, and no, it's, it's Jagger's American, isn't he? Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. I quite liked it. Um, but I don't know, it's, it's just interesting about, um, about Val Guest, but also I think you've just, you know, and yet another example of his, of Nigel Neal's. You know, curmudgeonly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And despite despite this kind of evidence that he seems to have been one of the the key figures originating the formula, um, Hammer didn't keep working with him. So they no. did make at this time they made the Abominable Snowman as well. Yeah, uh, which was an adaption of a BBC uh, play he had written. Yeah, and which. Um, Peter Cushing was appeared in both versions. Yeah. Um, and then the witches, and there was the pit, but I have a feeling Quatermass in the pit was um hangover from this period, and it just took him a lot of years to to yeah. mount. And um Yeah, I, I think of... I think I think this I think the problem with Quatermass 2 is it got eclipsed by the other hammer films because it, it was a big overlap with it with curse of frankenstein and yeah and 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 so it didn't do as well as the quatermass experiment and and that obviously led to that that sort of being shelved for the best part of about 10 years well and when it they came back it, when it came back it was totally different like, yeah but, but but strangely different because val guest and even brian don levy they were available uh, to come back, Val Guest was still working for Hammer at that point. Brian Donlevy was still working. Um, now I don't, I don't know how what kind of level, but he he was in Five Golden Dragons uh, with Christopher Lee a couple of years after this, uh, after um, Quatermass in the Pit, even. So he he was still uh, able to work. Then he died at some point in the seventies, but he worked more or less up to up to the end. So. Um, it could have been a direct sequel and you could have had a trilogy, but instead they did something else. And I know a lot of people really love Quatermass and the Pit, that one. But then mm. but but then why but then they just did it and then they never went back and no. redid the others. It was <laughs> I, I I really I'm watching Quatermass 2, which I really, really liked. I really enjoyed it. I, I just feel kind of sad that Quatermass has just been languishing and that, that it never quite works out after after those big tv shows in in the, the 50s and these movies mm. um it kind of you know there's one movie in the 60s one you know extraordinarily um anti-hippie tv series in the 70s <laughs> and, and 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 then a remake i uh, but as I say, I'm very. I was very disappointed with, and I just think I just like to see. I just like to see all three of the main Quatermass serials redone, but mod, but 
but mm. modernized and i think that'd be really interesting I, or, yeah. I mean because you could still set them in the 50s the, the interesting thing about the 50s and the british rocket group was that there was such a thing uh, yeah. we did we did we did experiment with this we i mean and we, and what happened to that was um pretty similar <laughs> to what happens to quite yeah. mass which is well, that- it's cancelled because we can't afford it. <laughs> well, I, I I think the fifties is the perfect decade to set these in because because it it, it is a bit of a decade of paranoia. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and, bed, and, yeah. Yeah, and you've got so you've got the I mean this with the whole um, alien people being taken over by the aliens, and incidentally, the aliens act much more subtly in this film than they do in the TV serial. So in the TV serial, there's a, there's a, a bit where they're at um, a committee meeting in Whitehall, and the the, the guys are obviously all all uh, taken over by aliens, and and they're all talking like this, so, <laughs> and so in a sort of weird shouty voice, and in the film they're much more subtle, which I like. But there's you know, the so, so awesome you, police commissioner, isn't there? Yeah. But, so the, what I love about this is you've obviously in America you had. All, all the communism, McCarthyism stuff mm. creeping in, and and I think what really informs this in, in the UK is the whole um, the whole uh, McLean and Burgess spy thing. Um, yes, and actually, I'd like to say I I I can claim to have uh, made that connection myself, but actually, Nigel Neal talks about it in the Quatermass Memoirs which was a, a BBC radio program in the 90s, where, um, which is a weird mix of documentary, uh, old clips and, and a sort of new drama section. Um, but yeah, Sorry, I think, yeah, and I think it's quite, and I think, um, I think that's exactly why, uh, why Quatermass, to me, I think, it, I, I think it'd be interesting to see how it would work now. But I think he, he's very much uh, of, of his time. And one thing I think is amazing, Paul, is at the end, Quatermass launches a nuke with, a, you know, he's, he's got the authority to launch a nuke because they say at the beginning, oh, that, that rocket is nothing more than a big bomb. And then uh, like an hour later, they go, it's a big bomb. We could, <laughs> we could blow the aliens up with that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's a big bomb that doesn't really work properly. Ah, uh, yeah. no, that'd be fine. So, so he launches a nuke, you know, <laughs> manages not to cause an apocalypse by doing that, and manages to successfully blow up the aliens. But it's an extraordinarily irresponsible thing to do, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, again, this, this is the big change from uh, between the film and the TV serial. In the TV serial, Quatermass and... Uh, Pew, who he's is his second sort of person who's not in this film at all. Uh, they both go up in a rocket together to land on it and sort out the aliens that way on their asteroid, and and then it ends with the them leaving the the unstable part of the rocket while the 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 nose cone of it blasts back to to Earth. Um, so the outcome's still the same with the with the the aliens asteroid being blown up but it but effectively in the serial Quatermass goes on a suicide mission but, which, 
yeah, which is, um, I mean, that does make a bit more sense because it's, yeah. it's really gung ho. I mean, it's it's a good conclusion to the movie, but if you stop and think about it for a second, you think, hang on, uh, would would you really let somebody do that? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, it was not the aliens that would stop him; it's like everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah. Anyway, I, I had one final, final, final point, and then I'm completely exhausted. And that's uh, the James Bernard score. It's got James Bernard yeah. score. Um, I think it's really great, and I just think you know someone should reuse it in some way for something. I think it'd be really good uh, used in a podcast, perhaps. Yeah, that's a good yeah. idea, Paul. I, I, I second that. Can Can I just give a quick shout out though to the um the two special effects in this that I still think work reasonably well. Uh, firstly, the, the horrific bit where um, Broad, Broadhead or Broad, what's his name? The, the, the guy from the, the ministry gets covered in all the goo. That's horrible. Yeah. I think that's really horrible. Um, and still makes me go even now. Yeah. Um, and I actually think the bit where they look into the, the domes and see the the creatures in there. I think that's quite well done as well. Yes, again, black and white covers of yeah. sins, doesn't it? So exactly. it looks really nice. So so yeah, so I think overall I I I really loved watching this again. Um I I absolutely agree with you. I think it's a top draw hammer movie. In fact, yeah. actually in some ways I think it's aged better than yeah. for instance Curse of Frankenstein has. Yes, yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Um, anything else to sneak in before we call it a day? Uh, nope, that's me done. And that's me done too. Um, oh, hang on, Paul. I'm desperate to contact uh, Very British Horror over social media, but I don't know how to do it. Okay, so you can contact us via Facebook, where you can find us as a, a Very British Horror you can speak to us on Twitter, where we're at Very Brit Horror, and you can email us at VeryBritishHorror at gmail.com. Great. Well, until next time, I've been Steve Martin. No, I mean Chris Denton. Uh, and, and I'm still Paul Monk. Good night. Bye. Only murders in the building stuff works a lot better if, you, if you've seen <laughs> only murders in the building. <laughs>